0: good morning and welcome
1: to our service here at brighton road baptist church here in horsham whether you're a regular with us or whether you found us online you are very welcome and uh, isn't it great that we can come together in worship of our god later in the service we shall be uh, meeting around the family table for holy communion So I just take the opportunity now to uh, remind you to have ready the elements of bread and wine or whatever it is your household is choosing to be those elements so that we might eat and drink together in obedience to Christ's command and recall his sacrifice for us all. Psalm 33 reads, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fit for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. So... Let us do as the psalmist says, and praise him who is worthy of all praise, whose word is always right and true, and whose love for you and I is so richly abundant as we sing our first hymn, love divine, all love excelling. Let us pray, using words based around Psalm 63. God, you are my God, I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for you, travelling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am, in the place of worship, drinking in your strength and glory, because your generous love is better than life itself. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. You satisfy my soul like the most wonderful food. Because you are my help, I am able to sing in the shadow of your wings. Accept my offering of praise. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Let's continue in an attitude of praise and adoration as we sing our next hymn King of Kings, Majesty.
2: Matthew 15, verses 10 to 20 Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled out by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defiles a person. Eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So
1: let me ask you this question. What sort of person are you? Are you a happy birthday kind of person or are you um, a national anthem kind of person? Because in these days of crazy COVID, we are being asked to wash our hands significantly more times and also much more thoroughly. So it's really important that we do a good job on it, that we don't cut corners, that we do all the different parts and make sure that we clean thoroughly so that we don't just keep ourselves clean and nice and healthy, um, but also we we can be mindful of the health of others as well. Now, it takes a little bit longer, and, uh, but it's worth doing. Now, in Matthew 15, Jesus talks a lot about being clean, about making sure that we're clean. Now, to the religious leaders, they didn't quite like what Jesus was saying, because he was saying that there's more to it than simply water and washing. That actually what God is really interested in is about what's going on in our heart. Because washing is all very well, but the purity of our hearts is what's really important. Because when we say and do things, it's an indication of what's going on in our hearts. It's an indication of where we are with uh, with Jesus, where we are with uh, with God and our relationship with him. So it's really important, it's a real challenge that he threw out to the disciples, and if we're going to be followers of Jesus too, we need to take this, this challenge pretty seriously into heart. When Jesus says, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, it's a real challenge to say, right, you know when you say those things, you know when you do those things, are you really showing heart for Jesus? Or are you showing something else entirely? What is it that you're doing there when you say and do those things? So next time you are washing your hands, you might want to be a little bit mindful of that whole idea of being clean, not just in a a physical sense, in a washing um, our hands kind of sense, but, but also whether or not what you're saying and what you're doing, is it showing the love of Christ? Let's sing in our, our next song. Let's take the opportunity to really recommit to, to, to God. As a response to the love that he's shown each of us, let's offer ourselves in uh, and all the different areas of our lives so that what we say and what we do um, are honouring to him and are a way that people can see what is going on in our heart, that it's actually a heart that we have for Christ. And that we can say in honesty that it's uh, no longer I, but Christ in me.
3: Let us pray. Loving God, just as you have provided over the years for our deepest needs, help us today to trust you for the future, knowing that your love will not fail. We pray for our world, thanking you for the amazing gift of your creation, for the world you made for us to live in and enjoy. Forgive us for exploiting and polluting its riches for our own profit and gain. Help us all to be mindful in the way we live so that the earth can be restored for our children and for future generations to honour your name. You sent your Son as the Prince of Peace to bring healing to the nations. As we view the world we see tension and unrest, violence, poverty, disease, and the threat of war. Mistrust, intolerance, and prejudice too often dominate. We pray for world leaders, grant them wisdom and integrity, and a genuine commitment to the good of those they serve. We pray for countries at war, those in danger of natural disaster and the countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith. We pray for our missionaries, those who are still serving in the field and those who are furloughed at present. We remember before you Claire Bedford, Callie and her sons, Joe and Ben. We pray for the Sherrod family, Ray and Kitty and their children, Tom and Robin, and for Louise and Peter Lynch. We also pray for Liu in his work with Tia Fund, for Chomno in Cambodia, coping with their very severe lockdown and the great challenges facing the leprosy machine in this pandemic. We ask that the translation work in Ethiopia may not be delayed because of the situation there. May all know your presence and your guidance and your provision, particularly at this time. We pray for our nation. We pray for the Queen, thanking you for her steadfast faith through the most trying of times. We pray for the government, remembering our own MP, Jeremy Quinn, as they seek to steer our country through this present crisis. Guide their thoughts and actions as they weigh up advice from medics, scientists and economists. We bring before you our health service and all caring agencies who have been making many personal sacrifices in order to save lives and to keep others safe and well. Be with those who are researching a vaccine for COVID-19. We pray for early success so that more lives can be saved and more illness prevented. We pray for ourselves, our church and our community. We remember before you those in our fellowship who are unwell, frail, bereaved, or who are under any particular pressure at this time. We ask that you will uphold them, give them your strength and may they know your presence with them. We pray for the future of our church as decisions need to be made as to how to function as a church once more, strengthening our members through your word and reaching out in love and service to the community. Lord Jesus Christ, teach us that whatever today may hold and whatever tomorrow may bring, The future is secure, for you are with us, the same yesterday, today and forever. Help us then to live each moment with you, in quiet confidence and joyful celebration, knowing that we are yours and you are ours for all eternity. Amen.
1: Before Tim comes to speak on what God has laid upon his heart for us this morning, let's sing Purify My Heart and have those words um, from Matthew's gospel that Ollie read to us earlier in mind. The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. May we, as Tim speaks, be open to God, showing us the area of our lives that need the refiner's fire so that we might be better able to serve him who saved us.
4: Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in God's holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, says it in Psalm 24. And the Pharisees in Jesus, they were big on the idea of clean hands. They had thorough and detailed prescriptions for how the hands should be sanitized, cleansed before every meal. And this wasn't the matter of singing happy birthday through twice to yourself. It was a matter of washing hands properly. NHS style. It was the real deal. And they didn't do this for reasons of health and hygiene. Ritual purity was what mattered to them. It was all about being holy. If you were a priest, you had to be ritually clean before you could go into the temple. The temple was a holy place. And there's a verse in Exodus 19 which says that the whole nation would be holy, a kingdom of priests. And the Pharisees took that verse to mean that everybody, the whole nation, should maintain temple standards of purity 24-7. You should live your whole life as if you were a priest serving in the temple. So you sit down to eat a meal at home. You act as if you're eating that meal in the temple. That means you have to be richly clean. It was an expression of extreme devotion to God. That's why they weren't just upset when they saw Jesus disciples eating with unwashed hands, they were appalled. For them, cleanliness was literally next to godliness. And in their eyes, not to bother with purity or well, that was to offend God. But Jesus counters their concerns with a saying that gets right to the heart of the matter in more ways than one. He says, look, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. After all, whatever you eat goes into your mouth, into the stomach, out the other end, down the toilet, end of story. But what comes out of your mouth, that's a different matter entirely. That reveals what's going on inside your heart. That's where your innermost thoughts, your intentions, your feelings, your desires come out into the open. If you want an insight into the murky depths of the human heart just read what people post online when they have the opportunity to comment on something else somebody else has said. Given the anonymity of the internet and the physical absence of the people they're talking about, they are quite uninhibited about what they say and how they say it. It can get quite nasty sometimes. That's why so much of what you read there is just sheer bile and you can see the depths of the human heart on display and it's not a pretty sight. Before the Internet, Jesus makes a list of all the unsavoury things that start in the heart. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, trashing someone else's reputation. Washing your hands before meals doesn't stop anyone doing any of those things. It's what goes on inside that counts. That's what Jesus is bothered about. That's why in Matthew 23, he accuses the Pharisees of being like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, full of death and decay on the inside. It's not that they were being hypocritical, pretending to be much better people than they were. It was that their preoccupation with hand washing left the heart untouched. And the heart, well that's the root cause of the human condition, they focused on external purity. The real problem, the heart of the matter, was internal. That's where Jesus focused. There's a really disturbing scene in Joseph Heller's book, Catch 22. Yossarian, One of the crew in a World War II bomber is called to the back of the plane to treat an injured man called Snowden. He gets there and sees an awful looking wound on Snowden's thigh. Yossarian applies a tourniquet, cuts open the leg of the uniform and finds to his relief that the wound is nowhere near as bad as first he feared. He pours in copious quantities of sulfonylumide powder to prevent the infection, covers the wound with a compress binds the compress in place with a gauze bandage, secures everything with a tidy square knot. He sits back on his heels, with a measure of relief and pride, and tells Snowden, you're going to be alright, everything's under control. But Snowden just looks awful. Over and over again he keeps saying, I'm cold, I'm cold. And it's only when Snowden looks down towards his armpit that Yasserian opens his jacket and finds that a three-inch chunk of flak has gone right through Snowden's chest causing severe internal injuries. Snowden is dying and all this time Yasserian has been carefully and meticulously treating the wrong wound and all he can do is wrap Snowden up in his parachute and say over and over again they're there they're there It's a disturbing scene. It's an episode that makes me take a long, hard look at myself and ask why am I a Baptist minister? If all I'm able to do is tinker around the edges of people's life-threatening problems and try and make them feel better, then I'd better just quit now and do everyone a favour. Yet deep down I know I do what I do because the good news of Jesus Christ can and does turn people's lives around. Jesus really does make a difference where our hearts have been corrupted, filled with so much emotional rubbish that they're just a cesspit of nastiness and self-loathing, then Jesus is the one we can call to come and do a deep clean of the inside of our lives. There's that prayer in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God. It's a prayer uttered from the depths of guilt and despair, but it's a prayer that God can and does answer. And the reason why Jesus can make such a difference is that all of us, you included, can leave behind the ugly person you've become on the cross where Jesus died for you. And you can invite him as risen Lord into your heart to cleanse you and renew you and change you and fill you with his goodness and love. And give you that purity of heart that he said would enable you to see God with your own eyes. So who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The person with clean hands and a pure heart. I hope you've got used to having clean hands by now. Some of us have been washing our hands red raw, but what about a pure heart? Well that's a specialist job, but thankfully Jesus is always at the end of a prayer, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. So sit down with him, go through the contents of your heart with him. Because if you're honest about who you are and what you've done, he's able to forgive whatever you've done and cleanse you from everything that's wrong. Ask him to do that for you. Trust him to do that for you. And he will do that for you. Because he's faithful and good. And in his eyes, you're worth it.
1: So now I invite you, come to this table, not because you must, but because you may, not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because of any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little, and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I bow before you in humility and ask you to examine my heart today show me anything that is not pleasing to you reveal any unclean areas of my life secret pride any unconfessed sin any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering my relationship with you you love me like a perfect parent you'll never disown me or leave me You love me no matter what. But sin hurts both my heart and yours. So before I take communion today, I'm asking you to truly search my heart and reveal hidden things for which to ask your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord that as your children, we can know that the price of our sin has been paid. As we take this bread, we remember that though you were without sin, your body was broken so that we might be made whole. And Lord Jesus, that sort of love is so extravagant, so undeserved, all we can do is say thank you and live our lives in obedient service to you. And so, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and offered it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, as instructed of the disciples, so now we take and eat. We remember And we are grateful. And in the same way, as we take this cup, representing your blood, Lord Jesus, poured out, we recall that you alone are able to save. Because of your blood shed and your body broken, we can receive your grace and we thank you. As we reflect on this, let's listen to the song this fragile vessel.
2: Lord God, we rejoice in your greatness and power, your gentleness and love, your mercy and justice.
1: Enable us by your spirit to honour you in our thoughts, words and actions, and to serve you in every aspect of our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.
5: the King and it makes my heart want to sing. I can sing in the troubled times, sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and I fall down again. I can sing because you pick me up, sing because you're there. I can sing because you hear me.